1: So here's
2: Joseph. He's not waiting to go, you guys, you passed the test. I forgive you. No, he did it way before. Be careful. Because if we don't forgive, we're the one imprisoned, remember? He never got bitter. When we don't forgive, we get bitter. Joseph had been better for many years because he forgives. If you are bitter, it's because you haven't obeyed God's word. When you do, you get better. Don't trade bitter,
0: be better. You've experienced bitterness towards someone, haven't you? Of course you have. It's a natural reaction to being hurt. You know it's wrong to do so and that nothing good will come from it, but. And then you repent and things are better. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the dangers of bitterness, but mainly he'll be talking about the power of forgiveness. You'll learn about the freedom that forgiveness brings to both parties the person who did the wrong, and the person who was wronged. You'll be reminded of the example that everybody knows about Jesus and how you can become more like Him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. we will be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Genesis chapter 44 as he continues his message, God is in control of our lives.
1: Then Judah
2: went up to him and said, please, my Lord, let your servant speak a word to my Lord. Judah's talking to Joseph. He doesn't know he's Joseph. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. We know you're powerful. My Lord asked his servants later. Remember when Joseph was getting ready to send them back. He asked them, do you have a father or a brother? And we answered. We have an aged father, Jacob, and there's a young son born to him in his old age. That would be Benjamin. His brother is dead. Again, they don't know. They're talking to a dead brother who isn't dead, Joseph. And he's the only one of our mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, in other words, when they went back, Joseph said to this, if you're going to come back and get grain, you're going to need more because it's a seven-year famine. You're going to have to bring Benjamin. I won't accept it if you don't bring Benjamin. So watch what happens. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me so I can see him myself, Benjamin. And we said to the Lord, the boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, Jacob, our father, will die. But you told your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. There'll be no more grain. That's my terms. Take it or leave it. Verse 24. When we went back to your servant, my father, so we brought this news home to Jacob, we told him what my Lord God had said. Then our father said, go back and buy a little more food. But we said, Dad. Come on, get with it. Understand, we can't go down. We can't go to Egypt. Only if our youngest brother is with us will we go. We cannot see the man's face, Joseph, unless our youngest brother is with us. And your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore two sons, and one of them went away from me, Joseph, and I said, he has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. So that lie continues for 22 years. It's not true. Verse 29, and if you take this one from me too, Benjamin, and harm comes to him, he never comes back, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in Israel. So Jacob said, no, I won't do it. Now watch this. So now, if the boy is not with us, when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, see that the boy isn't there, he will die. See, they brought Benjamin. Jacob gave in. But he's saying, now, if you keep Benjamin, whose cup was in his bag, we're done. Our dad will die. So he says, look at it again. So now, if the boy is not with us, when I go back to your servant, my father, and my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy, sees that the boy, Benjamin isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Now, look at the words he's using. Your servant, your servant, your servant. There's a good sign again. He is submitted to the person that's over him. He doesn't know it's Joseph, but to the authority. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Remember, when the deal came, Jacob allowed Benjamin to come to Egypt. If Judah doesn't bring him back, Judah will pay for it his whole life. Wow, that's changed. And he says this. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my lord's slave in place of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. In other words, let Benjamin go back. I'll take his place. If you're going to kill me, if you're going to do whatever, I'll just take his place. Let Benjamin go back. Now, look at verse 34. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see this misery that would come upon my father. Now, this is Judah. Remember, Judah is the one when those brothers said, Kill Joseph, when he was in the pit. They threw him in a pit. Kill Joseph. And Judah came along and said, No, don't kill him. Just sell him. Here comes the caravan from Egypt. We'll make some money of this. We'll get rid of him, his stupid dreams that we're going to bow down to him. No longer do we have that favorite kid around the house, and we're like nothing. We're going to get rid of him. That was Judah. And he was ruthless. And he just said, without concern for Joseph, without concern for his father's heartbreak, he just said, sell the kid as a slave. We're good. But now what do we see? He is going to take the place of Benjamin. He is totally changed. I'll gladly be your servant or your slave. So what does Joseph know? Aha. The one that sent me callously could care less about me or my dad. This man has changed. He will take Benjamin's place so that father doesn't get hurt anymore. Do you see the change? And Joseph's going, okay, okay. The tests are complete. The brothers have changed. There's been repentance. Now look at chapter 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself because they've passed the test. Before his attendants, and he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. Clear the room. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loud that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, you know, when we read these words, we go, well, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. Picture yourself here. You're the brothers. Put the emotion in your heart. You're the brothers. We already see the emotion of Joseph. He's put on this Egyptian thing through an interpreter all these times they've been here, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Now he's going to say to them, I'm your brother, Joseph, and you're the brothers. What kind of emotion do you think you're going to have? He's been dead for 22 years. What happened? So watch what's going through their mind. And Joseph said to his brothers, verse 3. I am Joseph. Now look at what he says. Is my father still living? Does Joseph have respect for his older father? Very much so. First questions he asks. But his brothers were not able to answer them. (laughs) 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 You're Joseph? So he had to take his big hat off, wipe the makeup off of his eyes. Remember we told him he had all kind of makeup. And he's speaking to them in their language. And they're going like, the whole time. He understood what we were saying. We didn't know it. So they're panicking. Look at it. But his brothers were not able to answer because they were what? Terrified. Okay, what's going to happen now? And then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. Now They don't know coming close is like or what? When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Now, they probably liked the words, I'm your brother Joseph, but they didn't like those words, the one you sold into Egypt. Remember, Joseph had been hated, envied, betrayed, sold into slavery, falsely accused for 22 years. But he had matured through it. He knew it was going to be okay. So Joseph sends the Egyptians away And reels to himself and his brothers, I'm Joseph. They're thinking, come close to me. Now what? He could order them killed. It would be done. He's in charge. Or tortured. It would be done. Or throw all of them in jail. It could be done. Anything else he desires to do, they have no way out of this. Now, when you hear Joseph say to his brothers, come close to me. That's an amazing picture, because we know from the story, Joseph had forgiven his brothers a long time ago. He didn't wait. This is important for us. It's important for me. Joseph had forgiven his brothers long ago, many years before when they began to come. Even before he'd ever seen them, he'd forgiven them. He forgot all that. He knew what happened. He just said what happened. But it didn't affect him anymore. And we see he wasn't waiting till they passed the test. Okay. Now you admit you were wrong. So now I will forget you. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that at all. Now you and I have to learn from this. Sometimes when we're hurt... We want to wait until the person that hurt us asks for our forgiveness. Okay, you've asked for my forgiveness. Now I forgive you. That's not the way it works in the Bible. Many scholars picture Jesus and the Old Testament Joseph, that they're very similar. In many ways, they are, and I'll show you one in a moment. But Joseph is a man, he's human, he's not perfect, he's not Jesus, he's not divine. He's a man. He was a good man. He was a good character. Of course, he was a sinner. He was born a sinner, and we know he sinned. But what did Jesus do on the cross? When he was on the cross and he was put there, did he wait to hear the people that just nailed him up there, who are yelled out, crucify him? Did he wait that they all came up in a line and said, oh, we're so sorry, Jesus. It's our fault. Did he wait to forgive them until they said, I'm sorry? Did he? No, he didn't. On the cross, he was dying, and what did he say? Father, forgive them. That's a principle for you and me. Matthew 18 says, if we feel there's something wrong between somebody, we go, even though we didn't cause it, we go and ask forgiveness. It doesn't mean what they did to us was right, but we go and ask forgiveness. Now, let me ask you a question. This will be a unanimous yes. Is it hard to do that? Yeah, hello. Oh, no, Pastor Mark's very easy for me. Liar, come down to the altar right now. <laughs> when I'm hurt, it's very difficult. So here's Joseph. He's not waiting to go, you guys, you passed the test? I forgive you. No, he did it way before. Be careful. Because if we don't forgive, we're the one imprisoned. Remember? He never got bitter. When we don't forgive, we get bitter. Joseph had been better. For many years, because they forgive. If you are bitter, it's because you haven't obeyed God's word. When you do, you get better. Don't trade bitter, be better. Amen? Now, look at verse 5. And now, here's the answer. What is he going to do to them? Don't be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. That would be hard to say, wouldn't it? Because it was, say it with me. To save lives. That God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, they'll not be plowing or reaping. Remember, God told Joseph, seven years of famine. We're two in. There's five more years to go. But look at verse 7. You're getting something, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. See, what Joseph is saying is this. Were you guilty of doing the wrong thing and getting me here? We'll see in a while. Yes. But God had the overall picture. We'll see that God was in control sovereignty of God. He had a plan to save lives. Well, why did God allow Joseph to be sold to Egypt? Because when he got to Egypt, it was part of God's big picture that nobody really knew then. Remember, in Genesis, we're told that there would be a savior that would come and pay for our sins. And that Savior later, as we move through Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, that promise would come through the nation of Israel. The Messiah would be born a Jew through the nation of Israel. Now, the nation of Israel at those days was about 70 people. And if they don't have that food in Egypt, what would happen to the 70 people in the famine? And if they died, what happens to the promise of the Messiah? It's done. And you know what? If this doesn't happen, we're not taking communion. There is no forgiveness. There's no Messiah. By the way, you wouldn't be listening to me, and I wouldn't be teaching you, because there's no hope. We're dead without a Savior. But see, it was God sent Joseph ahead of them to do what? Say it with me. Save lives. Who's life? Could you raise your hand right now? See, if you're a Christian, he saved your life. Joseph was the one. He wasn't perfect, but he went with God's plan. And so eventually, the Messiah comes through the nation of Israel. That's what it is. Now, look at verse 8. This is so huge. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and the rule of Egypt. Now, hurry back to my father, Joseph says. Go back to Jacob. And say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. Now, hopefully you can see something common. Just say these words with me because you just saw it. God. Come on, everybody. God. 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 Pastor Mark, you having a little trouble? No. How many times did we just see God in the passage? How many, how many times did we just see God? Four times. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say this. I assume God is in control. Come on. Come on. Now I want you to get a little more faith. Okay? I want you to say this. God is in control. Come on. Turn to your neighbor. God is in control. Do you see the picture? Was it the guys that planned this? Was it Joseph that planned this? No, it was God. He, got, he sent Joseph ahead to get things ready. Because there had to be a, a, an interpretation of the dream. Because God knew a famine was coming. Actually, he allowed the famine to come. Joseph explained that God had sovereignly, from his own will, brought him to Egypt to prepare for their deliverance from the famine. You see... Joseph knew this as he got there. Even with the ups and downs, he knew God was working in the back of his life. And he began to see the picture. It's not just to save the lives physically of the people in Egypt and the people in uh, Israel and the other lands, but it was spiritual. God always uses people to reach other people. See, God could have sent an angel to do the whole thing, but he always uses us, people, to reach other people. I want you to write three things down this morning. First thing I want you to write is this. God has sent us here to share the good news and to save lives. Remember what he said? God sent me here to Egypt to save lives. If you're a Christian this morning, God has sent you here to share the good news and save lives. Now, I'm gonna read you something that will be a shocker, and we've never really done it like this before. A study performed by Lifeway Research, it's a Christian organization, shows that across the country, Americans are much more likely to attend church at Christmas time. When asked the question, if someone you know invited you to attend church with them at Christmas, How likely would you be to respond and attend? 57% of the people said they would likely come to church. Now, why would we invite people at a time when they're thinking that they would go to church? Why would we do that? Why was Joseph sent to Egypt? To save what? Why would we invite unbelievers to church if more than 50% of them would come? Why would we do that? Well, Pastor Rock, I'm not an evangelist. Either am I. But I'm a Christ follower. So who has responsibility to do that? Every single one of us. Do you feel you have that? Think of that. By the way, is our world struggling to find hope? Horrible. The things that are happening are beyond our imagination. The only answer is Jesus. Number one, God sent us here. Well, where is here to share the good news? Look at number two. Here includes where we live, where we worship, where we study. If you're in school, where we work and where we play. See, God puts you where you live. Do you know that when you moved into that house or that apartment and you were praying for God's direction and he put you there, do you believe that was just for you? No, it wasn't for you. It was for you to find openings in there. Same with school. Same thing with work. When God brought you here to a place of work and you say, yeah, and I wish I'd get out of here. These people are driving me crazy. He has a sense of humor. He brought you there to be honest and open. And when people see you going through the ups and downs, they say to you, how in the world did you get through to that? You say, well, I have somebody that helps me. His name is Jesus Christ. See, you have to understand, when God brings us here, wherever you are this morning, if you're a Christian, he's got you exactly where he wants you. And it's not just for you. I remember when we moved into our neighborhood in West Melbourne, the falls of Sheridan. We moved in. There was not a lot of houses being built, whatever. We just felt that was the place. we had been driving from Merritt Island down here forever, and we just moved. And now there's like 20 homes in that subdivision that people come to church. Now, it wasn't all for us inviting, Lots of people to And then pretty soon it spread. See, I realize that where God put us, that's where he wants us. You may not like this statement, but God put me here. I didn't put me here. I didn't put me here. God put you here to hear me challenge you and get mad at me. No, I'm just kidding. Here's the third thing here includes the ups and downs of life. Well, Pastor Mark, if you put me in that job, why do I have this lousy boss? Hollow. It's called the real world.
0: Today, you heard more about Joseph's testing of his brothers to determine the quality of their character. Pastor Mark reminded you that God knows so much more about you than any human ever could, so it's best to be honest with him and yourself about who you are. You were told that the evidence of true repentance won't be words, it will be through changes in how you live your life. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. In the next installment of Pastor Mark's teaching, God is in Control of Our Lives, you'll hear about Joseph's revealing his identity to his brothers and his reunion with his father. You will learn how God used the events of their lives to achieve the heart attitudes he wanted to see in them all along. You'll be reminded of God's patience and his love for you as you change to be more like Jesus. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast from all of the production team here at Lessons for Living. We want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.
1: In a hurry